I'd invite you to pray with me. Gracious and holy God, as we come to your word this day, we ask that you would just help us be open. Open to hear uh, you speaking to us through it. Open to seeing the truth you have in it. Open to the ways, the invitations uh, you have for us about our life um, uh, in it, Lord. Uh, just be with us this day um, and touch our hearts as we long to serve you faithfully in the world. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Today we begin our new sermon series together, Eight Acres for the Eighth Day. This series is about God's call upon our community that we've been listening for and discerning for quite some time. We have been gifted with eight beautiful acres of land that is located right in the middle of what continues to be a growing and bustling suburb. As more and more buildings go up around us, as more and more cars drive by the streets that border us, our eight acres, its open spaces, its gorgeous tall trees, its silos and barn that call you back to a time when this land served a different purpose. Our eight acres are a unique space that can invite people to slow down, take a deep breath, and connect to the deeper rhythms of creation when they step onto them. We've been feeling called to be good stewards of this beautiful gift, asking God how to best use these eight acres in service to God's people and God's purposes in our world. Eight acres for the eighth day. The eighth day in the Christian tradition is the resurrection day. It was at the end of a seven day week after their Sabbath rest that the women went to the tomb to anoint Jesus's body only to find that he was not there, that he had been risen. That first resurrection day, that eighth day, has already happened. God's realm broke into our world at that empty tomb on that day, but God's realm will not be fully realized until the final resurrection day comes, when Christ returns, when a new heaven and a new earth are born, when death and evil will be no more because our Lord of life will reign. We are living towards that eighth day, and we want to be a community of people that sets our eyes on that day, God's realm, resurrection life, and lives towards it. We want to grow on these eight acres of land, an inclusive center of community life, a gathering place for our neighbors, where the realm of God can be glimpsed, experienced, tasted. We want to be a place where people gather and connect, where love flourishes and relationships are built without constraints, where that gathering, that connecting, that love, those relationships shape us deeply in these times wrought with so much division, polarization, violence, and hate. So that we can be a space where people learn to live with and treat one another differently. So that we can impact people's lives here but also send them out from this space, these eight acres, this community, to impact the life of our world. In this sermon series, we take up the work of living towards that vision. If we want to be an inclusive center of community life, if we want people to live with and treat each other differently here than they, we so often do in the world, we've all got work to do. These eight acres used to be farmland. They have grown a lot of things that have been life-giving to people in their existence. And our 
hunches, that God wants that to continue. We're going to be turning to scripture that has agrarian themes each week and paying attention to what needs to be weeded out from the soil of our hearts and lives so that the seeds of the realm of God can take root and flourish here in each of us and in all of us. We begin by turning to Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. I'm listening to Jesus's words that speak to, that speak of an old piece of farm equipment, a yoke that was used to harness two animals together so that they could work together to get important work done. Let's listen for God's word for us together this day. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. The purpose of a yoke is to tether animals together, to harness their power in order to move something forward. It's power that would be squandered without the yoke as the untethered animals, think steers or draft horses here, could pull in opposite directions, canceling one another's power out without making any progress or going anywhere. We are collectively weary, collectively feeling like we are carrying heavy burdens right now, in part because this description of untethered farm animals feels pretty brutal when we watch the ways we are working in our world today. There are lots and lots of people pulling in opposite directions from one another, canceling out one another's power as they do so. And as so much effort is exerted with no progress to show for it, we are all getting tired, weary, wondering where all of this is going to lead, wondering if there is any way we as a people can move forward together. One of the reasons this is our reality is the weed we're going to work on pulling this week. If we are going to cultivate a community that is inclusive here, if we are going to be a people who are able to welcome others who are different than us deeply into our hearts and lives, we have to weed out this tendency we can have to see our personal truth as universal truth. We all have a personal truth. We all have this collection of life experiences that have shaped us and the way we see the world. We were each raised from a particular standpoint. We were born into and grew up in homes and families that first shaped our views and our values and the way we see the world. And then as we move beyond those original formative years, we continue to be shaped by the particulars of our journey. Over all of those years, we cultivate our own sense of what is true in the world. We have our own vantage point that shapes how we interpret everything around us, whether that be how we interpret the news of the day, our neighbor's actions, God's word as it comes to us in Holy Scripture, or one of the many issues we are wrestling with as a society right now, whether that be racism in America, the coronavirus pandemic, climate change, immigration issues, 
or our political divide that colors it all. Our own vantage point feels so true to us, is so much a part of reality as we know it, that we can find it difficult to see that it is not a universal reality. That the world as we know it and see it doesn't exactly look the same or is experienced the same by someone else. When we lack that awareness, we claim our reality as what is true, not just for us, but for everyone. And we often do this defensively. And as we do, we cut off relationship with anyone whose reality is different from our own. We close off the connection that could be possible between them and ourselves and the possibility that we might learn and grow from each other. What's ridiculously important to name here is that I'm not saying that all truth is relative, that there is no capital T truth at work in the world. What I am saying is that there is not a human being on the planet that has complete and utter command of it. Our personal truths will always be limited by our vantage point. Capital T truth belongs to God and God alone. I deeply, deeply believe that we will be able to more fully discern that truth the more we are in relationship with other children of God whose vantage point is different than our own. The more the tables around which we gather reflect the rich diversity of the children of God in our communities and world, the more likely it is that we will find our way towards God's truth and the life it offers us all which is why it is so important that we don't assume our personal truth is universal. Why it is so important we do not cut ourselves off from relationships with those who are different than us. Why it is so important that we don't dismiss another person's perspective or story just because it challenges our own. Each week in this series, we'll not only be naming what weed we need to pull from the garden of our hearts and lives, we will also be naming the work we need to do to tend that soil well. Anyone who's ever gardened or farmed knows that if you pull weeds, but don't tend the soil or plant something else in their place, before you know it, those weeds will just fill in that cleared land once more. Our scripture today invites us to yoke ourselves to Christ, to tether ourselves to our Lord Jesus, which will do a couple things for us as we do it. First, it is a reminder that we are not meant to be the saviors of our world. Part of our weariness and exhaustion right now is that we find ourselves in the middle of a world that desperately needs saving. We are facing the consequences of that, of all that is broken in our world, and are watching how they are impacting our lives and the lives of our neighbors. And y'all, it feels heavy and dire and real. For those of us who have not already resorted to fatalism or apathy, it is easy to feel like we have to be part of the saving work that needs to happen in the world. And in my heart of hearts, I believe that we do. We just cannot do that work on our own or by our own power. Christ is the savior of the world, not you or me. Yoking ourselves to Christ reminds us of this and connects us to Christ's power at work in the world that just might keep us from the futile efforts of pulling against one another. Instead, Christ offers us rest from that unproductive work as Christ takes on all of our heavy burdens, our fear and worry about where we are headed. 
Yoking ourselves to Christ also helps unite our collective and finite force to Christ's infinite power so that with Jesus, we might actually move forward towards the salvation we long to realize. Yoking ourselves to Christ also invites us to shift from viewing the world from our vantage point, and instead reorients us to Christ's. Instead of working on our own apart from Christ, where our view of the world and our neighbors is limited by our perspective, when we willingly and intentionally yoke ourselves to Christ, we give Christ the opportunity to help us see differently, to gaze out upon the world and see it as Christ does. This shift in perspective is so important if we are going to open ourselves up to one another in ways that are purposeful and life-giving. When we begin to see our neighbors as Christ does, instead of shutting out their truth, refusing to take in their story, we open ourselves up to them. We listen with Christ's gentle and humble heart, curious about how our neighbor's perspective, their story, could open our eyes to the blind spots in our own, and how this expanded vision might help us move forward together. This past week, I took some time away to be on a virtual retreat with my pastor's group. Since we could not travel to be together in person, I chose to rent a place where I could be away to reconnect not only with them, but also with our God to restore and rejuvenate my own soul. I decided to rent a place not far from my grandparents' hometown in Riley, Kansas, so that on one of my days, I could go back to the places and the land where my family and my ancestors were rooted for so long. I can drive those highways that cut through the Flint Hills and point out the land not only my grandfather farmed, but also his father and his grandfather. I can even point out the other parcel of land my great-great-grandmother's father farmed and upon which she was raised. It's hard to put into words what it means to look out upon ground your family cultivated for generations. I'm proud of that history, of their hard work, of all the ways they provided for and served not only their family, but also their communities. Their story is my story. It's part of my personal truth, and I honor it. Last summer, I traveled with a group from our community to learn from and serve alongside the Lakota people on the Pine Ridge Reservation in South Dakota. An important piece of work that we were invited to do in that week had nothing to do with hammers and nails, post holes, diggers, or lumber. An important piece of our work that week was listening to the stories of the Lakota people, of receiving and honoring their truth, of open, opening ourselves to their history, and how it might shape the way we view and understand our own. Part of why I love South Dakota is that it reminded me of my own homeland. Standing up on the highest point on Remembers land and taking in the view of South Dakota's rolling plains reminded me of views of my family's land as well. While I do not know the particulars of my earliest ancestors' interactions with the tribes of people who were native to our land, it is important for me to recognize that piece of our history as well. To recognize that there were people who called the lands upon which our family settled as home before we arrived and the cost that arrival held for them. Receiving and honoring their truth has the power to expand my own purposefully and to bring us together in reconciling relationship that has the potential to help us together write a history that serves God's purposes 
and moves us closer to that eighth day, that time when injustice will be no more, when resurrection life will be experienced by all. I can do that without rejecting my family's history and legacy on the land they came to call their own, but instead to see it more clearly and understand it more fully. Yoked to Christ, we can see that the world and each of us in it is not divided neatly into good and evil. Each of us and the history we help shape is complex. We are all capable of such good and in desperate need of redemption all at the same time. When we yoke ourselves to Christ, we give Christ the power to guide us away from sin and towards life. We offer up our own power and energy to be in service to our God of goodness and life. Each of our personal truths, our vantage points, are limited. Yoking ourselves to Christ, it expands our vision. It helps us to see ourselves more clearly and to open ourselves up to the story, the view, the truth of our neighbors. It is when we really listen to each other, when we honor and receive the truth of another, treating it gently and humbly, letting it speak its truth to our own truth, that we create the opportunity for us together to move towards God's truth and God's dream for us and for our world.